Section 22 of The Life of Abraham Lincoln, Volume 2, by Ida Tarbell. The LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Appendix. Part 5. Letters, Telegrams, and Speeches, July 1856 to December 1858. William Grimes, Springfield, Illinois, July 12, 1856. Yours of the 29th of June was duly received. I did not answer it because it plagued me. This morning I received another from Judd and Peck, written by consultation with you. Now, let me tell you why I am plagued. 1. I can hardly spare the time. 2. I am superstitious. I have scarcely known a party preceding an election to call in help from the neighboring states, but they lost the state. Last fall our friends had Wade of Ohio and others in Maine, and they lost the state. Last spring, our adversaries had New Hampshire full of South Carolinians, and they lost the state. And so, generally, it seems to stir up more enemies than friends. Have the enemy called in any foreign help? If they have a foreign champion there, I should have no objection to drive a nail in his track. I shall reach Chicago on the night of the 15th to attend to a little business in court. Consider the things I have suggested and write me at Chicago especially write me whether browning consents to visit you your obedient servant a lincoln from life of william grimes by salter john bennett springfield august fourth eighteen fifty six john bennett esq dear sir i understand you are a fillmore man if as between fremont and buchanan you really prefer the election of buchanan then burn this without reading a line further but if you would like to defeat Buchanan and his gang, allow me a word with you. Does anyone pretend that Fillmore can carry the vote of this state? I have not heard a single man pretend so. Every vote taken from Fremont and given to Fillmore is just so much in favor of Buchanan. The Buchanan men see this, and hence their great anxiety in favor of the Fillmore movement. They know where the shoe pinches. They now greatly prefer having a man of your character go for Fillmore than for Buchanan, because they expect several to go with you, who would go for Fremont if you were to go directly for Buchanan. I think I now understand the relative strength of the three parties in this state as well as any one man does, and my opinion is that today Buchanan has alone 85,000, Fremont 78,000, and Fillmore 21,000. This gives B the state by 7,000, and leaves him in the minority of the whole 14,000. Fremont and Fillmore men being united on Bissell, as they already are, he cannot be beaten. This is not a long letter, but it contains the whole story. Yours as ever, A. Lincoln. Original, owned by E. R. Elchin, Petersburg, Illinois. Springfield, August 19, 1856. Dear Dubois, your letter on the same sheet with Mr. Miller's is just received. I have been absent four days. I do not know when your court sits. Trumbull has written the committee here to have a set of appointments made for him, commencing here in Springfield on the 11th of September, and to extend throughout the south half of the state. When he goes to Lawrenceville, as he will, I will strain every nerve to be with you and him. More than that I cannot promise now. Yours is truly as ever, A. Lincoln original owned by c f gunther chicago illinois dr r bowl lakin illinois september fourteenth eighteen fifty six dr r bowl 
my dear sir yours of the eighth inviting me to be with you at lakin on the thirtieth is received i feel that i owe you and our friends of marshall a good deal and i will come if i can and if i do not get there it will be because i shall think my efforts are now needed further south present my regards to mrs bowl and believe me as ever your friend a lincoln original owned by dr robert bowl lakin illinois dr r bowl lakin illinois springfield december twenty fifth eighteen fifty six dr r bowl dear sir when i was at chicago two weeks ago i saw mr arnold and from a remark of his i inferred he was thinking of the speakership though i think he was not anxious about it he seemed most anxious for harmony generally and particularly that the contested seats from peoria and mcdonough might be rightly determined since i came home i had a talk with cullum one of our american representatives here and he says he is for you for speaker and also that he thinks all the americans will be for you unless it be gorin of macon of whom he cannot speak if you would like to be speaker go right up and see arnold he is talented a practised debater and i think would do himself more credit on the floor than in the speaker's seat go and see him and if you think fit show him this letter your friend as ever original owned by dr robert bowl lakin illinois private springfield illinois february twentieth eighteen fifty seven john e rosette esq dear sir your note about the little paragraph in the republican was received yesterday since which time i have been too unwell to notice it i had not supposed you wrote or approved it the whole originated in mistake you know by the conversation with me that i thought the establishment of the paper unfortunate but i always expected to throw no obstacle in its way and to patronize it to the extent of taking and paying for one copy when the paper was brought to my house my wife said to me now are you going to take another worthless little paper i said to her evasively i have not directed the paper to be left from this in my absence she sent the message to the carrier this is the whole story yours truly a lincoln from herndon's life of lincoln to william grimes springfield illinois august eighteen fifty seven dear sir yours of the fourteenth is received and i am much obliged for the legal information you give you can scarcely be more anxious than i that the next election in iowa should result in favor of the republicans i lost nearly all the working part of last year giving my time to the canvass and i am altogether too poor to lose two years together i am engaged in a suit in the united states court at chicago in which the rock island bridge company is a party the trial is to commence on the eighth of september and will probably last two or three weeks during the trial it is not improbable that all hands may come over and take a look at the bridge and if it were possible to make it hit right i could then speak at davenport my courts go right on without cessation till late in november write me again pointing out the more striking points of difference between your old and new constitutions and also whether democratic and republican party lines were drawn in the adoption of it and which were for and which were against it if by possibility i could get over among you it might be of some advantage to know these things in advance yours very truly a lincoln from life of william grimes by salter 
lincoln's argument in the rock island bridge case from the daily press of chicago september twenty fourth eighteen fifty seven the rock island bridge case heard et al versus railroad bridge company united states circuit court honorable judge mclean presiding judge thirteenth day tuesday september twenty second eighteen fifty seven honorable abram lincoln's argument mr a lincoln addressed the jury he said he did not purpose to assail anybody that he expected to grow earnest as he proceeded but not ill-natured there is some conflict of testimony in the case he said but one quarter of such a number of witnesses seldom agree and even if all were on one side some discrepancy might be expected we are to try and reconcile them and to believe that they are not intentionally erroneous as long as we can he had no prejudice he said against steamboats or steamboatmen nor any against st louis for he supposed they went about this matter as other people would do in their situation st louis he continued as a commercial place may desire that this bridge should not stand as it is adverse to her commerce diverting a portion of it from the river and it may be that she supposes that the additional cost of railroad transportation upon the productions of iowa will force them to go to st louis if this bridge is removed the meetings in st louis are connected with this case only as some witnesses are in it and thus has some prejudice added color to their testimony the last thing that would be pleasing to him mr lincoln said would be to have one of these great channels extending almost from where it never freezes to where it never thaws blocked up but there is a travel from east to west whose demands are not less important than that of those of the river it is growing larger and larger building up new countries with a rapidity never before seen in the history of the world he alluded to the astonishing growth of illinois having grown within his memory to a population of a million and a half to iowa and the other young rising communities of the northwest this current of travel said he has its rights as well as that of north and south if the river had not the advantage in priority in legislation we could enter into free competition with it and we could surpass it this particular railroad line has a great importance and the statement of its business during a little less than a year shows this importance it is in evidence that from september eighth eighteen fifty six to august eighth eighteen fifty seven twelve thousand five hundred eighty six freight cars and seventy four thousand one hundred seventy nine passengers passed over this bridge navigation was closed four days short of four months last year and during this time while the river was of no use this road and bridge were valuable there is too a considerable portion of time when floating or thin ice makes the river useless while the bridge is as useful as ever this shows that this bridge must be treated with respect in this court and is not to be kicked about with contempt the other day judge weed alluded to the strike of the contending interest and even a dissolution of the union the proper mode for all parties in this affair is to live and let live and then we will find a cessation of this trouble about the bridge what mood were the steamboat men in when this bridge was burned why there was a shouting and a ringing of bells and whistling on all the boats as it fell it was a jubilee a greater celebration than follows an excited election 
the first thing i will proceed to is the record of mr gurney and the complaint of judge weed that the record did not extend back over all the time from the completion of the bridge the principal part of the navigation after the bridge was burned passed through the span when the bridge was repaired and the boats were a second time confined to the draw it was provided that this record should be kept that is the simple history of that book from april nineteenth eighteen fifty six to may sixth seventeen days there were twenty accidents and all the time since there have been but twenty hits including seven accidents so that the dangers of this place are tapering off and as the boatmen get cool the accidents get less we may soon expect if this ratio is kept up that there will be no accidents at all judge weed said while admitting that the floats went straight through there was a difference between a float and a boat but i do not remember that he indulged us with an argument in support of this statement is it because there is a difference in size will not a small body and a large one float the same way under the same influence true a flat boat will float faster than an eggshell and the eggshell might be blown away by the wind but if under the same influence they would go the same way logs floats boards various things the witnesses say all show the same current then is not this test reliable at all depths too the direction of the current is the same a series of these floats would make a line as long as a boat and would show any influence upon any part and all parts of the boat i will now speak of the angular position of the piers what is the amount of the angle the course of the river is a curve and the pier is straight if a line is produced from the upper end of the long pier straight with the pier to a distance of three hundred fifty feet and a line is drawn from a point in the channel opposite this point to the head of the pier colonel nason says they will form an angle of twenty degrees but the angle if measured at the pier is seven degrees that is we would have to move the pier seven degrees to make it exactly straight with the current would that make the navigation better or worse the witnesses of the plaintiff seem to think it was only necessary to say that the pier formed an angle with the current and that settled the matter our more careful and accurate witnesses say that though they had been accustomed to seeing the piers placed straight with the current yet they could see that here the current had been made straight by us in having made this slight angle that the water now runs just right that it is straight and cannot be improved they think if the pier was changed the eddy would be divided and the navigation improved i am not now going to discuss the question what is a material obstruction we do not greatly differ about the law the cases produced here are i suppose proper to be taken into consideration by the court in instructing a jury some of them i think are not exactly in point but i am still willing to trust his honor judge mclean and take his instructions as law what is reasonable skill and care this is a thing of which the jury are to judge i differ from the other side when it says that they are bound to exercise no more care than was taken before the building of the bridge if we are allowed by the legislature to build the bridge which will require them to do more than before when a pilot comes along it is unreasonable for him to dash on heedless of this structure which has been legally put there 
the afton came there on the fifth and lay at rock island until next morning when a boat lies up the pilot has a holiday and would not any of these jurors have then gone around to the bridge and gotten acquainted with the place pilot parker has shown here that he does not understand the draw i heard him say that the fall from the head to the foot of the pier was four feet he needs information he could have gone there that day and seen there was no such fall he should have discarded passion and the chances are that he would have had no disaster at all he was bound to make himself acquainted with the place mccammon says that the current and the swell coming from the long pier drove her against the long pier in other words drove her toward the very pier from which the current came it is an absurdity an impossibility the only recollection i can find for this contradiction is in a current which white says strikes out from the long pier and then like a ram's horn turns back and this might have acted somehow in this manner it is agreed by all that the plaintiff's boat was destroyed and that it was destroyed upon the head of the short pier that she moved from the channel where she was with her bow above the head of the long pier till she struck the short one swung around under the bridge and there was crowded and destroyed i shall try to prove that the average velocity of the current through the draw with the boat in it should be five and a half miles an hour that it is slowest at the head of the pier and swiftest at the foot of the pier their lowest estimate in evidence is six miles an hour their highest twelve miles this was the testimony of men who had made no experiment only conjecture we have adopted the most exact means the water runs swiftest in high water and we have taken the point of nine feet above low water the water when the afton was lost was seven feet above low water or at least a foot lower than our time brayton and his assistants timed the instrument the best instruments known in measuring currents they timed them under various circumstances and they found the current five miles an hour and no more they found that the water at the upper end ran slower than five miles that below it was swifter than five miles but that the average was five miles show men who have taken no care who conjecture some of whom speak of twenty miles an hour be believed against those who have had such a favorable and well-improved opportunity they should not even qualify the result several men have given their opinion as to the distance of the steamboat carson and i suppose if one should go and measure that distance you would believe him in preference to all of them these measurements were made when the boat was not in the draw it has been ascertained what is the area of the cross section of this stream and the area of the face of the piers and the engineers say that the piers being put there will increase the current proportionally as the space is decreased so with the boat in the draw the depth of the channel was twenty-two feet the width one hundred and sixteen feet multiply there and you have the square feet across the water of the draw viz two thousand five hundred fifty-two feet the afton was thirty-five feet wide and drew five feet making a fourteenth of the sum now one fourteenth of five miles is five fourteenths of one mile about one third of a mile the increase of the current we will call the current five and a half miles per hour the next thing i will try to prove is that the plaintiff's boat had power to run six miles an hour in that current it has been testified that she was a strong swift boat 
able to run eight miles an hour upstream in a current of four miles an hour and fifteen miles downstream strike the average and you will find what is her average about eleven and a half miles take the five and a half miles which is the speed of the current in the draw and it leaves the power of that boat in that draw at six miles an hour five hundred twenty eight feet per minute and eight and four-fifths feet to the second next i propose to show that there are no cross currents i know their witnesses say that there are cross currents that as one witness says there are three cross currents and two eddies so far as mere statement without experiment and mingled with mistakes can go they have proved but can these men's testimonies be compared with the nice exact thorough experiments of our witnesses can you believe that these floats go across the currents it is inconceivable that they could not have discovered every possible current how do boats find currents that floats cannot discover we assume the position then that those cross currents are not there my next proposition is that the afton passed between the s b carson and the iowa shore that is undisputed next i shall show that she struck first the short pier then the long pier then the short one again and there she stopped mr lincoln then cited the testimony of eighteen witnesses on this point how did the boat strike when she went in here is an endless variety of opinion but ten of them say what pier she struck three of them testified that she struck first the short then the long and then the short for the last time none of the rest substantially contradict this i assume that these men have got the truth because i believe it is an established fact my next proposition is that after she struck the short and long pier and before she got back to the short pier the boat got right with her bow up so says the pilot parker that he got her through until her starboard wheel passed the short pier this would make her head about even with the head of the long pier he says her head was as high or higher than the head of the long pier other witnesses confirmed this one the final stroke was in the splash door aft the wheel witnesses differ but the majority say that she struck thus court adjourned fourteenth day wednesday september twenty third eighteen fifty seven mr a lincoln resumed he said he should conclude as soon as possible he said the colored map of the plaintiff which was brought in during one stage of the trial showed itself that the cross currents alleged did not exist that the current as represented would drive an ascending boat to the long pier but not to the short pier as they urge he explained from a model of a boat where the splash door is just behind the wheel the boat struck on the lower shoulder of the short pier as she swung around in the splash door then as she went on around she struck the point or end of the pier where she rested her engineers said mr lincoln say the starboard wheel then was rushing around rapidly then the boat must have struck the upper point of the pier so far back so as not to disturb the wheel it is forty feet from the stern of the afton to the splash door and thus it appears that she had but forty feet to go to clear the pier how was it that the afton with all her power flanked over from the channel to the short pier without moving one foot ahead suppose she was in the middle of the draw her wheel would have been thirty-one feet from the short pier the reason she went over thus is her starboard wheel was not working 
i shall try to establish the fact that the wheel was not running and that after she struck she went ahead strong on this same wheel upon the last point the witnesses agree that the starboard wheel was running after she struck and no witnesses say it was running while she was out in the draw flanking over mr lincoln read from the testimonies of various witnesses to prove that the starboard wheel was not working while the afton was out in the stream other witnesses show that the captain said something of the machinery of the wheel and the inference is that he knew the wheel was not working the fact is indisputed that she did not move one inch ahead while she was moving this thirty-one feet sideways there is evidence proving that the current there is only five miles an hour and the only explanation is that her power was not all used that only one wheel was working the pilot says he ordered the engineers to back her up the engineers differ from him and said they kept one going ahead the bow was so swung that the current pressed it over the pilot pressed the stern over with the rudder though not so fast but that the bow gained on it and only one wheel being in motion the boat nearly stood still so far as motion up and down is concerned and thus she was thrown upon this pier the afton came into the draw after she had just passed the carson and as the carson no doubt kept the true course the afton going around her got out of the proper way got across the current into the eddy which is west of a straight line drawn down from the long pier was compelled to resort to these changes of wheels which she did not do with sufficient adroitness to save her was it not her own fault that she entered wrong so far wrong that she never got right is the defense to blame for that for several days we were entertained with depositions about boats smelling a bar why did the afton then after she had come up smelling so close to the long pier sheer off so strangely when she got to the centre of the very nose she was smelling she seemed suddenly to have lost her sense of smell and to have flanked over to the short pier Mr. Lincoln said there was no practicability in the project of building a tunnel under the river, for there is not a tunnel that is a successful project in this world. A suspension bridge cannot be built so high but that the chimneys of the boats will grow up till they cannot pass. The steamboatmen will take pains to make them grow. The cars of a railroad cannot, without immense expense, rise high enough to get even with a suspension bridge or go low enough to get through a tunnel. Such expense is unreasonable. The plaintiffs have to establish that the bridge is a material obstruction and that they have managed their boat with reasonable care and skill. As to the last point, high winds have nothing to do with it, for it was not a windy day. They must show due skill and care difficulties going downstream will not do for they were going upstream difficulties with barges in tow have nothing to do with the accident for they had no barge mr lincoln said he had much more to say many things he could suggest to the jury but he wished to close to save time jesse k dubois bloomington december twenty first eighteen fifty seven dear dubois j m douglas of the i c r r company is here and will carry this letter he says they have a large sum near ninety thousand dollars which they will pay into the treasury now if they have an assurance that they shall not be sued before january eighteen fifty nine otherwise not i really wish you could consent to this douglas says they cannot pay more and i believe him 
i do not write this as a lawyer seeking an advantage for a client but only as a friend only urging you to do what i think i would do if i were in your situation i mean this as private and confidential only but i feel a good deal of anxiety about it yours as ever a lincoln original owned by c f gunther chicago illinois springfield january nineteenth eighteen fifty eight to honorable george t brown send joseph gillespie up here at once don't fail a lincoln copy of note sent with telegram from brown to gillespie dear joseph have just received this telegraph i know nothing further i send a buggy for you brown copy of telegram sent from abraham lincoln springfield to joseph gillespie edwardsville through george t brown alton original owned by mrs josephine gillespie prickett springfield january nineteenth eighteen fifty eight honorable joseph gillespie my dear sir this morning colonel mcclernand showed me a petition for a mandamus against the secretary of state to compel him to certify the apportionment act of last session and he says it will be presented to the court to-morrow morning we shall be allowed three or four days to get up a return and i for one want the benefit of consultation with you please come right up yours as ever a lincoln original owned by mrs josephine gillespie prickett of edwardsville illinois springfield february seventh eighteen fifty eight honorable joseph gillespie my dear sir yesterday morning the court overruled the demurrer to hatch's return in the mandamus case mcclernand was present said nothing about pleading over and so i suppose the matter has ended the court gave no reason for the decision but peck tells me confidentially that they were unanimous in the opinion that even if the governor had signed the bill purposely he had the right to scratch his name off so long as the bill remained in his custody and control yours as ever a lincoln original owned by mrs josephine gillespie prickett of edwardsville illinois mr edward g minor winchester illinois springfield february nineteenth eighteen fifty eight edward g minor esq my dear sir mr g a sutton is an applicant for superintendent of the addition to the insane asylum and i understand it partly depends on you whether he gets it mr sutton is my fellow townsman and friend and i therefore wish to say for him that he is a man of sterling integrity and as a master mechanic and builder not surpassed by any in our city or any i have known anywhere as far as i can judge i hope you will consider me as being really interested for mr sutton and not as writing merely to relieve myself of importunity please show this to colonel william ross and let him consider it as much intended for him as for yourself your friend is ever a lincoln original owned by edward g minor jr rochester new york sydney spring grayville illinois springfield june nineteenth eighteen fifty eight sydney spring esq my dear sir your letter introducing mr ferry was duly received there was no opening to nominate him for superintendent of public instruction but through him egypt made a most valuable contribution to the convention i think it may be fairly said that he came off the lion of the day or rather of the night can you not elect him to the legislature it seems to me he would be hard to beat what objection could be made to him what is your senator martin saying and doing what is Webb about? Please write me. Yours truly, A. Lincoln. Original owned by S. T. Spring, Grayville, Illinois. 
springfield july sixteenth eighteen fifty eight honorable joseph gillespie my dear sir i write this to say that from the specimens of douglas democracy we occasionally see here from madison we learn that they are making very confident calculation of beating you and your friends for the lower house in that county they offer to bet upon it billings and job respectively have been up here and were each as i learn talking largely about it if they do so it can only be done by carrying the fillmore men of eighteen fifty six very differently from what they seem to be going in the other party below is the vote of eighteen fifty six in your district bond county buchanan six o seven fremont one fifty three fillmore six fifty nine madison county buchanan fourteen fifty one fremont one thousand one hundred eleven fillmore sixteen fifty eight montgomery county buchanan nine hundred ninety two fremont one hundred sixty two fillmore six hundred eighty six totals buchanan three thousand fifty fremont fourteen hundred twenty six fillmore three thousand three by this you will see if you go through the calculation that if they get one quarter of the fillmore votes and you three quarters they will beat you one hundred twenty five votes if they get one-fifth and you four-fifths you beat them one hundred seventy nine in madison alone if our friends get one thousand of the fillmore votes and their opponents the remainder six hundred fifty eight we win by just two votes this shows the whole field on the basis of the election of eighteen fifty six whether since then any buchanan or fremonters have shifted ground and how the majority of new votes will go you can judge better than i of course you on the ground can better determine your line of tactics than anyone off the ground but it behooves you to be wide awake and actively working don't neglect it and write me at your first leisure yours as ever a lincoln john mathers jacksonville illinois springfield july twentieth eighteen fifty eight john mathers esq my dear sir your kind and interesting letter of the nineteenth was duly received your suggestions as to placing oneself on the offensive rather than the defensive are certainly correct that is a point which i shall not disregard i spoke here on saturday night the speech not very well reported appears in the state journal of this morning you doubtless will see it and i hope that you will perceive in it that i am already improving i would mail you a copy now but have not one hand i thank you for your letter and shall be pleased to hear from you again yours very truly a lincoln original owned by r w mills virginia illinois springfield july twenty fifth eighteen fifty eight honorable j gillespie my dear sir your doleful letter of the eighteenth was received on my return from chicago last night i do hope you are worse scared than hurt though you ought to know best we must not lose the district we must make a job of it and save it lay hold of the proper agencies and secure all the americans you can at once i do hope on closer inspection you will find they are not half gone make a little test run down one of the poll books of the edwardsville precinct and take the first hundred known american names then quietly ascertain how many of them are actually going for douglas i think you will find less than fifty but even if you find fifty make sure of the other fifty that is make sure of all you can at all events 
we will set other agencies to work which shall compensate for the loss of a good many americans don't fail to check the stampede at once trumbull i think will be with you before long there is much he cannot do and some he can i have reason to hope there will be other help of an appropriate kind write me again yours as ever a lincoln original owned by mrs josephine gillespie prickett of edwardsville illinois b c cook springfield august second eighteen fifty eight honorable b c cook my dear sir i have a letter from a very true friend and intelligent man insisting that there is a plan on foot in la salle and bureau to run douglas republicans for congress and for the legislature in those counties if they can only get the encouragement of our folks nominating pretty extreme abolitionists it is thought they will do nothing if our folks nominate men who are not very obnoxious to the charge of abolitionism please have your eye upon this signs are looking pretty fair yours very truly a lincoln original owned by c f gunther chicago illinois honorable j m palmer springfield august fifth eighteen fifty eight honorable j m palmer dear sir since we parted last evening no new thought has occurred to me on the subject of which we talked most yesterday i have concluded however to speak at your town on tuesday august thirty first and have promised to have it so appear in the papers of to-morrow judge trumbull has not yet reached here yours as ever a lincoln original owned by the rev preston wood springfield illinois springfield august eleventh eighteen fifty eight alexander simpson esq dear sir yours of the sixth received if life and health continue i shall pretty likely be at augusta on the twenty-fifth things look reasonably well will tell you more fully when i see you yours truly a lincoln original owned by family of alexander simpson lewistown illinois dr william fithian danville illinois bloomington september third eighteen fifty eight dear doctor yours of the first was received this morning as also one from mr harmon and one from hiram beckwith on the same subject you will see by the journal that i have appointed to speak at danville on the twenty second of september the day after douglas speaks there my recent experience shows that speaking at the same place on the next day after d is the very thing it is in fact a concluding speech on him please show this to messrs harmon and beckwith and tell them they must excuse me from writing separate letters to them yours as ever a lincoln p s give full notice to all surrounding country a l original owned by dr p h fithian springfield illinois blandonsville october twenty sixth eighteen fifty eight a simpson esq dear sir since parting with you this morning i heard some things which make me believe that edmonds and morill will spend this week among the national democrats trying to induce them to content themselves by voting for jake davis and then to vote for the douglas candidates for senator and representative have this headed off if you can call wagley's attention to it and have him and the national democrat for rep to counteract it as far as they can yours as ever a lincoln original owned by family of alexander simpson lewistown illinois springfield december eighth eighteen fifty eight h d sharp esq dear sir your very kind letter of november ninth was duly received 
i do not know that you expected or desired an answer but glancing over the contents of yours again i am prompted to say that while i desired the result of the late canvas to have been different i still regard it as an exceeding small matter i think we have fairly entered upon a durable struggle as to whether this nation is to ultimately become all slave or all free and though i fall early in the contest it is nothing if i shall have contributed in the least degree to the final rightful result respectfully yours a lincoln original owned by the family of h d sharp brooklyn new york springfield december twelfth eighteen fifty eight alexander simpson esq my dear sir i expect the result of the election went hard with you so it did with me too perhaps not quite so hard as you may have supposed i have an abiding faith that we shall beat them in the long run step by step the objects of the leaders will become too plain for the people to stand them i write merely to let you know that i am neither dead nor dying please give my respects to your good family and all inquiring friends yours as ever a lincoln original owned by family of alexander simpson lewistown illinois End of section 22.